uh, dress for success. And we've been going through Colossians 3, and we've been looking at some of the items of clothing that God gives us to wear. And I'm excited to continue that today, um, at looking at a special topic, which I believe God's going to uh, encourage us, uh, teach us, and hopefully equip us to be able to be dressed for success this coming week. Would you just pray with me uh, for the Word of God really quickly? Jesus, we thank you for your Word, and we ask, Holy Spirit, you will come and illuminate it now. Uh, We don't just want the wisdom of man or the thoughts of man. We want your Holy Spirit-inspired Word to come and direct and change our hearts. For anyone in here who may not know who you are, who are exploring faith and exploring Jesus, I pray that you will, by your grace, reveal yourself to them in a loving and gracious way. We pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, is there anyone in the room that likes to live sometimes or all the time life on the edge a little bit? Is there anyone? Oh, we're all safe people here. This is great. There was one person in the service, if you don't know him, he's an elder, he's called Al. Al Whitmore Pryor, Sani lives life on the edge. Thank you, Sani. Um, and uh, he lives life on the edge. Like, he does all kinds of crazy things. He's got story after story of like this uh, adrenaline-filled stories. And a few years ago, um, I thought I'd dabble in a little bit of being a, an adrenaline junkie for a few hours. And uh, I decided to jump out of an airplane. I know. Um, hands up, you think that's a wise move? Okay. Okay, one of you said it depends. It depends what's happening in the plane. Um, I decided to jump out of a plane to raise some money for the young people. And I um, was having dinner with a few friends the other week, and um, sorry, the other day. And I just started to reflect on the emotions that I felt as I uh, did this skydive. The skydive was to raise money for our young people to take them away on a camp. And uh, I can remember vividly as I've been reflecting pulling up in this car with a friend of mine, and we got out of the car at this airstrip where I was going to be jumping out of an airplane, and as I opened the door, I heard the rumble of these airplanes ready to take off, and I can remember stepping out the car and shutting the door, and as I looked up in the sky, I saw literally people just dangling in the air, coming down in these parachutes, and everything inside of me thought, what on earth have you done? Concern and dread started to fill my heart immediately. I was questioning every bit of wisdom that I may or may not have. And I started to become a little bit stressed, as you can imagine. I walked to the checkout point and we got checked in and they gave me the uniform that I was going to be wearing that day. And I kid you not, there's photos of it as proof. They gave me this big yellow kind of jumpsuit. I looked like a giant banana uh, about a jump out of a plane. And they even gave me like a little hat that I had to wear the whole way around as well. And um, we did this little debrief. The instructor who I was going to be attached to came and he started to show me what was going to happen, what I was going to feel. And I tell you what, the further and further we got, the more um, anxiety I started to get, the more the more stress I started to get, the more concern I started to get, thinking, what on earth is going on? And lo and behold, only a few minutes later, we're on the way out to this aeroplane. And uh, the aeroplane's engine is rumbling. It's about to take off. It's just waiting for me and a few other people to get on. So we get on this plane, and we take a seat, and there's about 15 other people looking just as nervous and just as scared as me, hoping that we make it through this experience. And the engine starts to go, and the plane starts to take off. And we start to hear just this silence in the plane as everyone is contemplating the decision they have made. I was agitated and a little bit tense, as you can imagine, and I was feeling so much stress and anxiety. And then we got to about 10,000 feet, and the door of this aeroplane came up, and I realized I've never been in an aeroplane where the door opens whilst you're flying. 
the wind starts to fly about, everyone's hair starts to flicker, and suddenly the nerves start to kick in, and people one by one start to fall out of this aeroplane, and I was thinking, right, you need to get ready, Sean, it's your turn next. So we start edging forward, and then the door shuts, and I thought, Lord, you've saved me. (laughs) This is amazing, and then I realized I signed up for 15,000 feet, not 10,000 feet, we've got to go up another 5,000 feet. So we go up another 5,000 feet, and there's just me, one other person. This person just looks scared as me. We're staring at this door, and this door opens, and the air starts to fill up the aeroplane, and we get close, and the instructor's pushing us towards this door, and I'm gritting my feet, being dragged towards the door, and suddenly we get to the end, and I'm literally dangling out of this plane. My feet are waving as the winds connect, and I'm scared, and I'm anxious, and then the instructor says, one two, and on two, he pushes us out because he knows on three, I'm going to grab the door. (laughs) And as soon as we start flying out, we're in the thick clouds, and we start to go through these clouds, and the adrenaline starts to kick in, the wind and the gravity start to pull, and then we burst through these clouds, and 15,000 feet in the air, we see the landscapes of Devon open up. And in that moment there, all of the fear the stress and the anxiety disappeared. There was nothing I could do in that moment apart from take in the awe of what God had created. The reason why I tell you this story is because the more I've been reflecting on it, the more I realize that in those 24 hours, I went through a roller coaster of emotions. And when I look at people's lives and I look at my own life, I realize that life can be like a roller coaster of emotions, can't it? Moment by moment, we don't know what's coming round the corner. We have the ups and downs, the twists and the turns, the emotions of the stress, the anxiety, the joy, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And lo and behold, as we navigate this life, we feel like at times we can be on a roller coaster. And when we think of life like this and we look at our own life that we've already lived and the life that we have set upon us, we start to navigate these emotions that stress and anxiety and fear and worry could come and they could dampen our hearts. And as we think of that truth, I also want to suggest to you three words that Jesus gives us in the scripture that I believe will set up what we're going to look at today. And these three words come from the mouths of Jesus to his disciples, to his church, and to his people. And as I say them, I pray that we will encourage you. I pray that we will bring hope. I pray that we'll be empowering because these words can transform people's lives. And here's the words that Jesus says to his church. Peace be still. In the rocky terrains of life, peace be still. Over the next 15 to 20 minutes, I want to explore what it would look like for us to be dressed for success, and to clothe ourselves in peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that comes from the Prince of Peace that is Jesus Christ himself. And a peace that is an invitation to every single one of us today, that no matter where we are in the seasons of our life, there is a peace that can transform everything. Anyone want to taste some of that peace this morning? Come on. Colossians 3 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, God's peace is meant to rule in our hearts. 
Everything else that goes on inside is meant to come under the submission of the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts, the king of our hearts, the author of our hearts. Everything will submit to the peace of Christ according to this scripture. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And as members of one body, you were called to peace. How incredible is that verse? You were called to peace. As a youth pastor, uh, one of the most common conversations I have with young people as they're exploring faith is, what's my calling? What is my calling? Put your hands up if you've asked that question before. What is my calling? Quite a few of you. We ask this question of what is my calling? What's my purpose? Why am I here on earth? And you know, there's multiple different answers to that question. And you will find it as you navigate life. The Lord will lead you and he will guide you to your purpose, to your calling, to your gifts, and to the anointing that God has placed on your life. And some of us, we find in our lives, we are called to places. We hear of the missionaries going out to different nations and villages and towns and cities. And we hear uh, uh, people being called to singleness or called to marriage or called to parenting or called to schools or called to the NHS or called to a church. But let me tell you, if you've navigated that question before and you still don't have the answer, there's good news for you this morning because there is one calling that comes in Scripture that is on every single one of our lives, no matter your background, where you have come from or what you have done with your life. And it is the calling to peace. You have been called to peace. There is a peace that is resting dormant on your life that you are called towards. No matter what happens around us, no matter the situations that come in and come and going, there is a peace that is a calling upon every single one of our lives. And that is good news this morning. If we don't hear anything else, but we hear that we're called to peace, that's a very good news thing this morning because it transforms our situations. It pushes us to a new direction. It allows us to face the battles and the waves and the winds and the storms with a confidence that No matter what goes on out there, in here I have a peace. And it comes with Jesus Christ. I want to give you three points that come and three kind of keys to this peace that we have. Because we understand that we are called to peace. We read it in the scriptures. But according to statistics and the global organization of stress, there are some alarming statistics around this word peace that we need to navigate with. We need to have an understanding of the world that we live in and the calling of, of, of the church to be clothed in peace. I don't think there's been a more, more important time for the church to be clothed in peace right now. We only have to look at the news and the Twitter feed and the Facebook to see that peace is non-existent in this world. Trials and wars and battle and evil and chaos happening all around us, yet the Bible says, you are called to peace. You're not of this world. We've already heard it once this morning. We're we're of a different kingdom, and the kingdom of God walks in peace. Here's some of these statistics from the uh, Global Organization of Stress. 80% of people feel regular stress in their workplace. 77% of people experience extreme stress at some point in their life that it affects their physical health. Stress right now is the number one health concern in most secondary schools. Teenagers' lives. The number one health concern, stress. 48% of people in America reported sleep deprivation because of stress. Stress, anxiety, worry, and concern is at an all-time high, yet we read in Scripture that we are called to peace. Somewhere along the line, something has gone drastically wrong because we live in a society and world that is stressed out of its head. Yet we're called to peace. Let me give you the three keys to 
being clothed in peace, if you would. And if you're taking notes, I'd love to write these down. These keys are interlocked. They join each other. They push each other to one another. And it is a full circle that we find with these three keys to peace. The first piece is in order to be clothed in peace, the first step towards it, there's no other way around it. If you want more peace in your life, you want to experience peace in your everyday situation, you want to know what the Prince of Peace brings when he brings peace, it only starts one place and one place only. You won't find it anywhere else in the world, but you will find it here. And it's peace with God. God is the source of peace. He is the definer of peace. He is the origin and author of peace. The scripture says that our God is not a God of chaos, but he is a God of peace. Jesus' name was known to be the Prince of Peace. And there's nowhere else we can go to start with being clothed in peace as the church of God than going to where peace comes from, and that is finding peace with God. Being clothed in peace doesn't mean everything is going to be calm, easy, and okay, but being clothed in godly peace means that we understand that the Prince of Peace is with us everywhere that we go. Peace starts with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, listen to these words and let them liberate your soul for a minute. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through Jesus. (laughs) That is mind-blowing news. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. No matter what your week has looked like this week, no matter the failures, the difficulties, the tensions... If you walked into this room this morning feeling that God would be angry with you, I want to tell you that he's not. Because in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. He has done everything that we couldn't on our own. And he has brought peace into our everyday situation. That's the power of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. All things reconciled. All things brought back around. We can look in every area and avenue of our life for peace, and it will always fall short if we don't recognize where it starts. I want to say to you this morning, somehow the experience in my own heart and some of the experience of people around me, money won't bring you peace. Relationships won't bring you peace. Friendship won't bring you peace. The promotion in your job, it won't bring you peace. A new house, a new cat, a new dog, a new car, it won't bring you peace. But I'll tell you who will bring you peace. And his name is Jesus Christ. He brings peace in fullness and abundance. And he invites you towards it this morning. Come and taste and see the peace of Jesus Christ. He wants to allow it to sustain your everyday situation. Peace isn't something of a destination that we get to. But peace is a lifestyle that we live in when we choose every single morning to wake up and go to our wardrobe and take out the jacket of peace and today, today I will be known to be a person of peace because of what Jesus has done in my heart and my life. Every conversation with our colleagues, every argument with our children, every frustration that we come across, we can know the peace of Jesus Christ because of what he has done. Peace with God is where it starts. Peace of God is where it goes. There is, uh, uh, this is the truth that we realize with peace. Those who are in the best circumstances of life but without God will fail to find peace. But those who are in the worst circumstances but with God will never lack peace. 
And that's the beauty of the Bible. It gives us story after story after story where the waves around us will crash. But people of God say, I am a person of peace in the middle of the trial. The Bible never says that you will be easy with trials. You won't get them. They won't arrive at your door. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. They will come your way. And when we step out as people of peace, when we step into the calling and purpose that God has got for us, trials will come because the enemy doesn't like an awake Christian. The enemy doesn't mind sleeping Christians, but he hates it when Christians wake up to the word of God and are filled with the Holy Spirit and say, today I will do everything that God asked me to do and I will walk in peace. Trials will come and trials will go, but his peace remains forever. Peace with God. Clothing yourself in peace doesn't mean getting more peace. It simply means getting more Jesus. And let me tell you, the world needs more Jesus right now. The world needs more of his word and more of his ways and more of his actions. You know, Buddha can't bring the peace that you're looking for. Muhammad can't give it. Allah can't give it. Karma won't bring it. But Jesus, the Galilean carpenter, is the holder of true peace. And this morning, he invites you towards it. He is the way. He is the provider. He is the giver. And he holds the peace that will unlock the doors to your life. So the first step of the three keys of experience being clothed in peace is understanding that peace comes from God. Can I get an amen, hallelujah, shabaranda kanandai? Love it, Lord. When we understand that peace comes from God, we start to navigate through to our second key of three, and we start to recognize that when when the gospel makes a way for us to have peace with God, and we start to have a relationship with God, and I want to tell you, if you think Christianity is about a religion, then we've got a different message for you this morning. The gospel isn't about religion at all. The gospel is about a God who came to do what we couldn't do. It's not about our actions, our goodness, our ways, our holiness. It's about Jesus' actions, Jesus' goodness, his ways, and his holiness. He did everything that we couldn't do because he loves us. He loves us so much. And when we recognize that and we come into a relationship with Jesus, we experience the peace with God. And we experience a relationship with God. Romans 5 says we have full access to God when we start to walk in peace with God. It means that this is the reason why we're Pentecostal Christians, right? Because we believe God is alive and active and he wants to do things in our hearts and our lives every single day. That's what it means to have peace with God and then have access with God. And the peace with God leads us to something else that is kind of the process of sanctification. The process of the Holy Spirit working on our heart and making us more like Jesus. And this is Peace in self. Peace with God leads to peace in self. Sometimes the greatest battles with peace is not what's happening around us, it's what's happening inside of us. Sometimes the greatest battle with peace is not the trials and the storms out there, it's the trials and the storms in here. And some of you are looking at me going, I've been there before. And I know what you're talking about because we need the peace of God in our inner being to work out some stuff that's going up in here and in here. The gospel, Mark once used the analogy, is the longest journey from head to heart that Jesus moves all the knowledge we have and he makes it into a heart declaration and a heart relationship. You know, the gospel and the Bible doesn't want moral conformity. It doesn't want behavior modification. It just wants us to be transformed by his love. And when we're transformed by his love, 
And when we experience peace with God, we start to experience peace in self. There's a story in Mark chapter 4. And many of you will have heard it, so I won't read it out. But it's the story of Jesus speaking to the stormy seas and the rocking boat. He's on, the, he's on the beach with many, many people, hundreds of people come in to hear this man, Jesus. And at this point in time, Mark chapter 4, early on in the gospel, people had so many questions about who Jesus was, but the majority of people thought that Jesus was just another teacher. He was a miracle worker, of course, but there was lots of other teachers and rabbis that saw miracles through their hands, and they put Jesus in the same boat. He's a fantastic teacher. So hundreds and thousands, they would come in droves to city to city to city to hear this man teach. His name was Jesus of Nazareth, the latest rabbi. And he starts teaching, and then he says to his disciples, we must go to the next city, and we're going to get a boat to go there. So let's get the boat. And some of the disciples are fishermen, so they got their boats, and they jumped on the boat. And as they go in there, Jesus is thinking, I'm tired. I need to have a nap. So he goes down into the middle of the boat. He takes a nap. It's a good sign for us. In my opinion, naps are the sign of holiness, right? Come on. He takes a nap. The disciples are working the boat, getting to the next destination where people will be waiting for Jesus to come and teach and preach. And as they are getting the boat ready, as they are going out onto the sea, suddenly this great squall or this great storm, as the Bible puts it, starts to arose. And the boat slowly but surely just starts to rock from side to side. And the disciples thinking, well, I've not been a fisherman for a while. I'm not used to this. Some of them probably feeling a bit seasick at this point, and then suddenly it gets worse and worse and worse, and the wind starts to blow, and the, the waves start to crash up, and the Bible says it goes over into the boat to the point where the boat is being filled with water. The disciples at this point, they're panicking, and they get their buckets out, and they're throwing this water over the side. They're doing everything. They're getting the sail up. They're trying everything possible to make sure that they stay alive in the middle of this storm, and then one of the disciples thinks, where on earth is this teacher? And he goes down into the bottom, the teacher's sound asleep angrily, he says, wake up, we're about to die, come on, get up here, grab a bucket, and let's get going. So he goes back upstairs, and Jesus starts to walk out into the front. And he looks at the panic, and the confusion, and the stress, and the anxiety that surrounds him, just like we do when we look around this world. And instead of joining in with the same panic, instead of joining in with the same stress, and the noise And the frustration, Jesus just says three words as he looks out. Peace be still. The boat just starts to settle. And the waves just start to ease. And the wind just starts to mellow. And Jesus turns around to his disciples. And I find it fascinating what it says in Scripture. It says that the disciples were struck with an even greater fear. You'd think the disciples at this point would be struck with relief. Their lives have just been saved. You'd think they'd be struck with a calm and a peace, but instead they're struck with a fear. Why were they struck with a fear? Why does the Bible tell us that? Well, I would argue at this point, this was the moment that the disciples recognized and realized This isn't just any man. This isn't just another rabbi. This isn't just a teacher. The the disciples knew the Old Testament and in the Psalms it speaks about Yahweh being the only one that can calm the storms. 
the Psalms speak, and they would have recited the Psalms, and they started popping up in their head. Yahweh is the only one that can speak to the winds and waves, and it will cease immediately. At this moment, they recognize something that transforms the way we are when we clothe ourselves with peace, and it's simply this. Yahweh is in the boat with us. Peace in the boat with us. Friends, can I say this morning that I believe sometimes we are going to have to worship Jesus amidst the storms to remind the storms who really reigns. Storms will come and storms will go, but Jesus will not be moved by our storms. The storms do not shake Jesus. The storms do not make Jesus fearful. They don't make him worried. He is not surprised by them. And if you're going through a storm, or even when you do in the future, because we will, I want you to remember this truth. God gives us peace to maintain the winds and the waves. The storm knows his name. The wind knows his name. The waves know his name. The enemy knows his name. And his name is Jesus. And he comes into our lives when we meet with him. And he says, peace be still above all things, above everything that we will come to. Peace be still. Friends, clothe ourselves in peace. It doesn't mean the storms will go. It doesn't mean that we will get all the answers that we want. But it does mean that Jesus arrives with peace for us to navigate the rocky terrains of this life. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus arrives to us in love and in care and says, I am here to provide you a peace that will never end and never leave. We can have peace with ourselves. Psalm 29 verse 11, I come to end, says the Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with peace. Peace with God leads to peace with self and peace with self will ultimately lead to peace with others. Band, if you could come join me at this point, that would be amazing. We can try everything, everything we want to try get us way up to the peace with God, but we must remember that the peace with God comes down to us rather than us making our way up to it. And when we encounter the peace with God, we then encounter the peace with self. And many of us, we believe, and I have believed this for so long until literally this last week, and I've been exploring this topic. I believe that the totality of peace and the end result of peace is just simply me living a life that is peaceful. And I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, my life at times isn't very peaceful. You only have to ask my wife to know that our house isn't very peaceful, because I'm constantly like, annoying her and all kinds of different stuff. Peace is hard to come and go at times, yet when we understand that we have peace with God, it moves us to have a peace with self. And then the end result of peace is not just to live a happy life. The end result of peace is to take that peace to a broken and hurting world. Peace with God leads to peace with self that then gives us a responsibility, and it is a responsibility, church, to have peace with others. Now, the beauty of having peace with others, and this is going to be part of the challenge, is when we start to bring peace to others, we start to see the full circle because the end result of peace is to be a missionary, to bring peace to others that will ultimately lead back to people finding peace 
with God. Church, we must learn to have what it means to have peace with one another. Can I suggest to us that I don't think I've ever known in my entire life a greater call on the church than I do right now than for the church to be known for its peace. Ever in my life. And when we hear those words, we think of a world that is watching and it is watching. But I want to gently submit to us that actually we need to learn to have peace with people in this room as well. Because for too, no, for t- for too long, the world has seen a church that is bickering and fighting and arguing over theology and getting angry at one another and church splits and bitterness and frustration. It's time for us to live with peace. To learn what it means to have forgiveness in our hearts. The proximity of community will ultimately lead to aggravation at times. And we just need to be honest about that, don't we? Sometimes we're going to get frustrated with one another. I've said it, okay? I've put it out there, and it's okay. Sometimes we're going to get annoyed with one another. Sometimes, dare I say it, we will unintentionally hurt one another. But the God of peace calls us to carry peace in our hearts so we can show peace to one another. We are a broken community. There is no one perfect sat in this room, but we do follow the perfect Jesus who walks into our situations and he says, I'm gonna give you peace to be able to sustain some of the hurt that you will have and your result won't be like the world's result to offend back and to hurt back and to gossip back, but the result will be go, I'm called to be a peacemaker, so I will show peace even when I am hurt. I will show peace even when I'm upset. I will show peace even when I'm frustrated. I will show peace even when I'm angry. We wake up every single morning, we go to our wardrobe, we take out the jacket of peace, and we put it on, and we start to recognize that our life is a life that's called to peace. If Jesus spent eight hours every day for three years with his disciples, he would have spent over 8,000 hours with them in total. And after all that time, They had still major flaws and major gaps. And I can tell you one hour a week on a Sunday morning is not going to change people. But in a loving relationship with Jesus who is with us through it all, our lives day by day will be going from glory to glory to glory, transformation to transformation to transformation. And we need more grace for one another. We need more patience with one another. We need more peace with one another. We need more forgiveness for one another because when we start to do that, we start to be the church that God has called us to be. That we lessen our expectations of one another and we take those expectations, we put them on Jesus because he's the only one that can hold the weight of it. A stressed out world needs a church of peace. I'll lead you with this quote from Matthew Henry. He says these words, when Christ died, he left a will in which he gave lots of things to lots of different people. He gave his soul to his father. He gave his body to Joseph. He gave his clothes to the soldiers. He gave his mother to John, but to his disciples who had left everything to follow him, he left not silver nor gold, but something far better. He left his peace. Peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Church, let's walk clothed, 
in peace. Would you stand with me as we come to a close? And just for a moment before I invite Mark back up, we just close your eyes for a second. And I just want to invite the Prince of Peace to come and fill our hearts once again. Jesus, we know that you made a way for us to have peace with God. We know that you bridged the gap between heaven and earth and that we don't make our way up because you made your way down. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us the peace of God. I pray, Lord, this week that we will know that you look at us with peace. You work with us through peace and you intend for us to know in our hearts that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that comes from the heavenlies. When we gain that access with peace, we start to find peace with ourselves. And I pray for anyone that's going through a stormy sea right now. And perhaps those winds and the waves, they've started to sink the heart that's inside of us. They've started to mess with our minds. And I pray this morning, Prince of Peace, by the power of your spirit, you will calm the winds and the waves of people's souls and of people's minds. People who have had a week that have felt like their boat has been rocking left and right, left and right. May the peace come in and may it speak a new reality into the situation. And from that place, may every single one of us choose to clothe ourselves in the peace of God. And may this week be a week where we get to carry the presence of God, the peace of God into every sphere of society that you draw us to this week. We will encounter people who are part of the noisy-fueled world, who have so much stress and so much anxiety. And may when they look at the church and look at the people of God, may they see a remedy that can't come from anything else apart from the person of Jesus Christ. So fill us with your peace, we pray. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, and all the adoration that you deserve this morning. We thank you for lives transformed, for peoples renewed, and for a church that is being built by you. We pray in your powerful name.